0: And he says, guys, I'm hearing all sorts of things, but who do you say that I am? And if you have read the story before in Matthew 16, you read that Peter replies. Peter is one of the disciples, and he's usually one of the more forefront disciples. He's not afraid to hear his own voice being heard in public. And so he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, wow. And Jesus, having heard that, and said to Peter, well, God himself has revealed this to you. He then goes on to give account to his disciples of what is going to happen to him. And it's interesting, whereas Peter at that point had gained understanding of who Jesus was we also quickly find out that Peter didn't really have any understanding of what Jesus' mission was about, because as Jesus starts to say, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to suffer at the hands of the people there, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again on the third day, Peter also steps up and says, Never! This mustn't happen. And so having just confessed that God, that Jesus, is the Messiah, the one that the Jews were waiting for, He's now stopping and hoping that Jesus won't go through with the ministry that Jesus has got to go through with. And so now Jesus is turning back to Peter and saying, get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things that I need to be about. And after that, Jesus then starts to give a little bit more teaching and he says to the disciples gathered there, he says this, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And then in Matthew 16, 26, it says this, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? So Peter, who understood that Jesus was the Messiah, he didn't understand everything about the mission of Jesus. Peter, if you're going to be a true follower of mine, says Jesus, if you're really going to serve me and if you're going to follow me, then you need to understand this. If you try to hold on to your life, you will lose it, but if you give up your life, you will find it. What do you benefit, Peter, if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Jesus is saying, is anything worth more than your soul? And Jesus gives insight to Peter and the other disciples of the true value of a soul. In fact, Jesus implied that there is nothing that is more valuable than a soul. And so this morning I want to look at a few questions to help us to understand about the value of a soul. We're using this phrase, a soul... But what do we mean when we're talking about a soul? Because this is a Christian phrase. People talk about souls. Jesus talked about the value of a soul. But what do we mean by a soul? The soul is the place in you. It's that place of life, that place of feeling, that place of thought and action. It is described as being the spiritual part of you. And it is living inside of you. It's living inside of your body. In fact, we could actually say as Christians this, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. And some people link the spirit and the soul together because they're difficult to separate, but we can understand that the other, the body, the body decays. We understand more about that. But we also understand that actually, where do our thoughts come from? They come from within us. They come from within us. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. So our souls is that eternal part of us. That eternal part, different from the body. My body is not eternal. I've got problems with it. It seems to be changing and decaying as time goes on. Even though I speak to it, It doesn't always seem to respond in the way that I'm expecting. Now, that's just me. I'm sure many of you are different from that. Perhaps some of you aren't. Our bodies seem to be actually getting older as the days go by, but inside our spirits are alive because our spirit and our soul is eternal. That's what a soul is. So when we're talking about a soul, we're talking about that eternal part of us. Why is a soul so valuable? Why would Jesus say that souls are valuable? Colossians 1:16 says this: For by him, this is God, for by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is the creator of every soul. He's the creator of every person upon the earth. A soul is valuable, we are valuable because God has made us and he didn't just made up, make us, he made us for his purposes. It's not just being made, you were made because God wanted you. You're important to God. You have value. Those of you who have children, are your children valuable to you? Oh Whoa. When you talk about your husband or your wife they're valuable to you, but there's something about your children that I'd do anything for my kids. This is the sort of phrase people say. Suddenly the language that people use is is full of emotion, full of expression, full of passion, because they love their children. I am a child of God. And He loves me with that similar passion. You know, what we would do for our kids, there isn't anything I'd do for my kids. I know there's the limitation, I know there's the limitation, I'm just saying this. I know there's limitation in terms of my finances and my time. I know there's limitations, but in my heart, there's nothing I wouldn't do for them. And I found that that now goes on to the next generation. My granddaughter, what do you want? No, you can't have that. But there's... Because our hearts are involved. It's love. Our souls, that eternal living part of us, is caught up with our kids. Somebody comes to attack my children, someone comes to attack my granddaughter, they go through me first. That's the sort of passion that you find. And that's not just me speaking. I'm speaking on your behalf. I know that people feel that level of emotion. You see... God created us, we were made by him and for him. He has a vested interest in us. The more that this permeates into our minds and into our understanding, we start to think, hang on a second, God really is for me. Uh, Yes, he is. Because it says in the word of God, he is for us, not against us. He is the lifter of our heads. You often hear me say that. He's the lifter of our head. That means he doesn't want us to be bowed down or sad or looking at the floor. He's the lifter of your head and the lover of your soul. That's who he is. That's what he's like. And he's purposeful towards you. Because you're valuable to him. You are valuable to him. Because our children are precious to us, that gives us an understanding of what God is like. People are precious to God. And that's not just some. Okay, it's not just some. He created everybody. From every tribe, from every nation, every single person, his heart feels the same. Can you fit that? Is the love that God has for the world. For God so loved the world. That's the declaration that the Word of God says. He is passionate and He is for the world, not just some, for all. The souls of people are precious in the Lord's sight. So when we're talking about souls, let's just get this in our minds. We're referring to the eternal part of us, our spirits, our souls that will outlive our bodies and will last forever. The saddest day in God, in God's time, or whatever, however you can describe it, because God is outside of time, but if God was following our calendar, I believe the saddest day for our loving God was the day when Eve took and ate from the tree that she was told not to eat from. I think that's the saddest day. And the reason I say I... This is just an aside. The reason I say that is the saddest day is because even though the day when Jesus died was a sad day, that was a day of intending to draw back. This was a day when everything went wrong, when mankind was lost. This was the day when your child got lost at the fair and you couldn't find them and your heart is breaking. It's a day like that. The day when Eve takes of that fruit when sin enters into the world. God had said to Adam, look, you can eat from any tree you like, but not that one. Because if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. The serpent comes to Eve and starts tempting her and says to her, you'll not surely die. You will become like God, knowing good and evil. Listen, folks, we're not supposed to be like God. We were made in his image and likeness but He is the one who is above us. He is the uncreated one, okay? If you think, oh no, we can be like God, we're made in His image, but He is the uncreated one, we are the created ones. There's a fundamental difference in that. He is eternal. He always has been. He has no beginning, He has no end. I had a beginning. My spirit was created. I have been brought into existence. Unlike God. He is above us. He is beyond us. He is greater than us. His understanding is beyond our understanding. That is who our God is. We are not supposed to be like God. Yes, we can have his attributes and his characteristics and we should show those forth, but we've been made in his image and we have been created to be his children and he is our master, the one who is over us. But with mankind opening the doorway to sin, as Adam and Eve did. Sin comes into the world, and as we look, because this story is mentioned in the first book of the Bible in Genesis, and as we look in that, the first couple of chapters of Genesis, so the very beginning of the Bible, are talking about how God has created everything, how God has made us. This story of sin entering the world is just chapter 3. So right at the beginning of the Bible, we're getting this story. But you know what? As you go on into chapter 4, And as you go on into chapter 5 and chapter 6, it's not just somebody eating a fruit from a tree that they shouldn't eat. The next thing is we've got somebody murdering his brother. The the speed at which evil comes into the world is incredible. So chapter 3, sin enters. Chapter 4, a brother is being murdered. And by the time we get to chapter 6 in Genesis, we're reading this. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Just in a short space of time. And since that time, even over this last year, even over the last decade in this nation, have we seen an increase in wickedness in our own land? Are there not things that we're reading about in the press that we're still shocked by and saddened by? The revelations that are coming out, whether it be from Hollywood or the politics or whatever, all of this stuff that keeps coming up. Praise God, there's cleansing, but the wretchedness of sin that is behind it all. Sin came in and sin sickened man, and it didn't only sicken man, it troubled God. God who is holy, who never commits any sin, he hates every form of sin, but he acted in the midst of this tragic situation. In Galatians 4 verses 4 and 5, we read this, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Despite all the evil that came into the world, all the corruption, the way that man got separated from God, the division that happened, God himself chose to answer this situation. And at the right time, He sent forth his son through a woman into the world to redeem us that we might become his sons. The real value of a soul is that God himself treats it so highly that he sent his only son to rescue every soul that was ever created. That is the real value of a soul. And the Bible declares that his son, Jesus, came with purpose. Now there's lots we could look at in this, but I'm only just touching on these things this morning. Jesus came with a purpose. Let's just look at a few scriptures for that. Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You remember what had happened? How, in the Garden of Eden, there was sin came in, and man gets separated from God. Man is lost from God. What did Jesus come to do? He comes to seek them out. He's come to find them. He's come to search for them. Anybody who is lost, do you feel lost? In your life, do you feel like my life's going nowhere? I don't know what I'm doing. Do you feel sinful? Do you feel regrets? Have you not got a cleansed heart? Do you not know peace before God? Listen, Jesus has come to seek and to save you. He's come to find you. He's come to call you out of darkness and to bring you into the kingdom of his Son. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Again, 1 John 3 verse 8. The reason, let's just cut through halfway through. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. To destroy the devil's work. Satan had come to take the souls of every man away. He'd come to take those souls to where he was going. And Satan is going to hell. Satan is going to hell. But he wants to take as many souls with him as he can. God doesn't like that. Because those souls belong to him. And he wants to see souls set free from the captivity of Satan and brought into the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. That kingdom that Kevin mentioned right at the beginning cannot be shaken. Cannot be shaken. That's the one kingdom that can stand every test and everything that comes against it. It cannot be shaken. And God wants to bring the souls of men and women into that kingdom and to hold them. The reason the Son of God came was to destroy the devil's work. And John 3, verses uh, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. He sent His Son to save the world. To save the world. You know, I talked about the marriage course and how sometimes we don't want to go because we feel that we're going to be exposed. One of the problems we have in our lives is that we fear the inner thoughts, the inner being, the inside of us is going to be exposed to everybody else. We don't want to be condemned. We want to know freedom. Isn't it good to know that Jesus came not to condemn, not to point the finger, not to push you down, not to make you a public spectacle in front of everybody else. He wants you to know that you're a sinner, And he wants to point out the things that you've done wrong. But he wants to draw you into his arms. He wants to draw you into his kingdom. Because he didn't come to condemn. He came to save. That is what he has done. He came to save. When we talk about the souls of people, ultimately we're talking about every single person. We're talking about the eternal part of them. The body will perish but your spirit and your soul will go on. That is the eternal living part of you. Uh, And it's because every soul has been created by God that he is concerned about each and every one and he doesn't want anyone to be lost. It is true to say in the Bible that it talks about the fact that there are... um... Sorry, I just got caught there. Hallelujah. 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 Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you and we worship you, Lord. We give praise to you because of who you are. We thank you, Father, that you are the one who came to rescue us. We thank you, Father, for your powerful love. Oh, God, would you show your love to our hearts. Will you soften our hearts afresh this morning, Lord? Will you come with your Holy Spirit upon our lives? We have such need of you. Even in these days, these evil days, we have such need of you that you would come to bring awakening to every one of us, Lord. That we with you would understand the true value of every soul, every human being that lives upon the earth. The desire that you have, O God, to set them free from every captivity, every sin or brokenness, Lord, to raise them up to be some and daughters of yours living in your kingdom. We ask therefore, oh God, that you would send your anointing upon us to break every stubborn yoke and resistance that comes against the purposes of God. We speak now in the name of Jesus against every stronghold that comes against us in the name of Jesus. Every binding, every demon that has come upon our souls, we come against you in the name of Jesus. We break your power and your authority and we declare to you, you have no right to have authority authority over us because we are sons of the living God therefore in the name of Jesus we pray Holy Spirit bring deliverance bring freedom to every soul those that are held captive and find their mouths being bound we say be open in the name of Jesus let every heart be opened that they may know the Son of God and the power of the Holy Spirit that has been freely given to us in Jesus name hallelujah hallelujah souls have incredible value Souls have eternal life. Souls, unless they are rescued, are going to hell. We need to hear that. Unless souls are rescued, they're going to hell. Because when that doorway was opened by Adam and Eve, it corrupted all of mankind. But God didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world. But He sent His Son to save the world through Him. Oh, for God's so loved, it says. For God's so loved. He loves every person. You know, we do find it difficult because there are people that seem to be somewhat less lovely than us. That's about the only way I can put it, but we know what we mean. We love ourselves and we love some others, but God loves everybody because he created every person. And he desires every person to be saved. In Peter, it says this, 2 Peter 3 verse 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I just want to use one uh, example in Scripture to help us just uh, go through really what I've been talking about already. And that encounter is the encounter between Nicodemus and Jesus, as is seen in John chapter 3. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He wasn't just a Pharisee. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So that puts him as an elite Pharisee. He's on the council that is overseeing, if you like, religion, Jewish religion, across Israel. He is a bigwig. He's a top dog. He's a zealot for the law. He is a a man living as pure a religion as he could live. He is zealous. He's a highly regarded teacher in Israel. That's who we're talking about. John chapter 3 verse 2. We've got a few scriptures that are going to come up. This man, Nicodemus, he came to Jesus at night. Why was that? Was that because of all of those credentials that I've just been mentioning? Was it because he wanted to come under the cover of darkness? I'd I'd rather not be seen with you, but I need to talk to you. We don't strictly know, but it's interesting. Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, Interesting to use the word rabbi. He was being polite to Jesus. Because, in many senses, like, hey, we are the rabbis. We are the teachers. I am one of the teachers of Israel. But he does deign to say, rabbi, teacher. He gives him some respect. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replies to him with the next verse. Jesus replied, Very truly I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Hang on a second. I'm just making a few declarations, thinks Nicodemus. I'm just saying, look, we've noticed that you've been doing a lot of good things. God is obviously with you. These are amazing things. No one could be performing these things if God were not with them. And suddenly Jesus is saying, I tell you the truth. And it's not just, I tell you the truth. It says, verily, verily. If you have an old version, it will say that. Or truly, truly. He's underlining the fact. Listen, I am telling you what is absolutely true. Nicodemus. He gets straight to the point, as Jesus often does in these situations. He cuts through to the heart of somebody to get right into the nitty gritty. And he says, I tell you the truth. No one. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, for Nicodemus, for this Jew, for this high-ranking Jew, if you like, the background that he would have had, the conviction that he would have had, was an expectation that he would be participating in the kingdom of God at some future age. So, when he dies, eventually, and maybe he would rest for some time... uh, We don't need to go into all of those details, but whatever. There was an expectation that he would be participating in the kingdom of God at the end of an age to experience eternal resurrection life. That's what Nicodemus is looking for. That's what he is expecting. That's the expectation, in actual fact, for every Jewish person apart from those who commit apostasy or they do some extraordinary wickedness, because I am a Jew, I am going to experience eternal life, I'm going to experience resurrection at some stage. When God brings his kingdom in, then I will know that. And Jesus is calmly saying to Nicodemus, no one can get there. Uh, Do you you see the, the wall that's just been built here? No one can get there. All of your thinking, all of your expectation, all of the teaching that you are giving, no one can get into that kingdom unless he is born again. So Nicodemus, he's confused, but he does at least grasp something from what Jesus says. And he says here, How can someone be born when they are old? Born again? So he's, he's thinking, like, okay, we've got to be physically born? Is, is that what you're saying? And, and Nicodemus is obviously an old guy because he's saying, like, well, how can this happen to somebody who's old as me? How, how does this work out? How can somebody be born when they are old, Nicodemus asks? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Uh, we got to go back to the beginning. Is this what it is? Do we have to shrink down? Do we have to sort of pop out again? Is this what's going to happen? I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> pop out. Is that sorry, ladies? If I've caused any offence with that slight phrase, because isn't that so typical of a man? I mean, they don't understand all the pain. You're absolutely right. So anyway, pop-out would just suffice in this case, okay? So if you want to fan yourselves off as you're remembering those events, that's absolutely fine by me. Praise the Lord for the word pop-out. Um, so where were we? So anyway, so he's asking these questions. That's what he's doing. And Nicodemus is as confused as I am at this point. <laughs> He's definitely considering this and thinking like, my goodness, how could that possibly happen? So we go on to the next scripture. Please. Jesus answered. Hallelujah, Jesus. Truly, truly, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit You should not be surprised at my saying, you need to be born again. Jesus underlines to him again, look, you can't get to this kingdom unless you are born again. Unless you are born of water and of the Spirit. Now Nicodemus understood something about being born of water because there had been a revival that was going on at this time. John the Baptist had been around John the Baptist had been calling people to repentance. You haven't been living right before God. You Jews are believing all of these things, but you're not living the right way. And John was calling people to repentance, public repentance. Repent of your sins, be baptized that you might start living correctly. And this was having a big impact upon Israel. Not just around Jerusalem, but upon the nation. The preaching of John the Baptist is not to be underestimated. Nicodemus would have understood that water was linked to John, or this idea of baptism. I know that some say, well, this is to do with the waters of birth, but I believe that this is also the case. That there is a sense in which he's being linked to repentance. But Jesus isn't, is saying this to Nicodemus, you don't just need to be baptised in water you need to be born again by the Spirit of God. And you know, that same message speaks into our lives and into the church today because there's many people that have been baptised. Baptised as an infant. I've received water. I'm cleansed. Been baptised even maybe by full immersion. Look, it's not just about baptism. We believe in believer's baptism. That you are born again by the Spirit and then you are baptised in water. Some people have been baptised but they have never been born again by the Spirit of God. Listen, you can't get into the kingdom of God unless you are washed with water and you are baptised. You are born again by the Spirit of God. You don't understand these things, says Jesus. Let's just continue. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. And Jesus says to him, you are Israel's teacher, says Jesus. And there probably was a, there, you are Israel's teacher and you don't understand these things. You are teaching the whole of the nation. You are seeking to lead the nation in the right way. And the right way is that you've got to be born again by the Spirit of God and you don't even know this. (coughs) This was a humbling moment. This was a powerful moment. This was an embarrassing moment. You don't understand these things? Nicodemus, as I said, was at the top of the pile, if you like. He was one of the greats as far as being an upright Jew, many people would be looking to him as their example, would be following after him for the way that he was living. Yet Jesus is saying to him, Nicodemus, you need to be born again if you're going to enter the kingdom of God. And Jesus goes on to say this. Let's have our next scripture. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe... How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Now he's giving some more explanation to Nicodemus. Nicodemus certainly would have known about Moses because he would have known all of the Old Testament. So he would have understood of Mount Moses and he would have known this story. In this time of Moses, there was a period when the children of Israel who were in the desert, they were in between leaving Egypt and going into the Promised Land. During that time, they went through many ups and downs. Let's just put it like that. And one of these occasions, they had been moaning and groaning against God and God sent snakes amongst them, poisonous snakes, and these snakes had bitten a good number of the children of Israel and they had died. And so they were starting to become a fear upon the camp. And so the people said to Moses, what can we do? And Moses called out to God, what should we do? And God says to Moses, I want you to make a snake and put it on a pole and put the pole up amongst the people. If any of the people who have been bitten choose to look at that snake, they will be healed. They won't die. And that's the story. And Jesus is raising this story up and this story, he's talking about the Son of Man has got to be raised up. Now we know because we know the end of the story from this point. We know what he's referring to. In fact, we know that Jesus is the Messiah and the Messiah is speaking to Nicodemus and the Messiah is revealing to Nicodemus the purposes of God and what God is going to do. But he's also telling him the truth. Listen, you cannot enter this kingdom unless you are born again. Jesus then goes on to say these scriptures, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I find it very interesting. Those scriptures were spoken to Nicodemus and yet it was a prophetic statement. And yet it was also an actual statement from the point of view that Jesus had been given but he hadn't gone to the cross at this point. He was there but he hadn't accomplished everything. But that was yet to happen. The challenge to us is have we been born again? Have we been born again? Have you been baptised as an infant or baptised, your parents had you baptised and you think that makes me safe? You need to be born again of the Spirit of God. Have you been born again of the Spirit of God? Are you sitting in the church here and you're thinking like, I wish that could happen, I hope that can happen. Listen, I want to tell you this, Jesus is here to make it happen. Because he is calling. What did Jesus come for? He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Do you feel lost? He's come to seek for you. He's come to call you out of darkness into his kingdom. He's come to reach out for you, to bring you from that place into a knowledge of his son. That is exactly what he has done. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world and yet you lose your soul? Think of all the people in this nation all around the world who are doing just exactly that. They're spending all their time, all their energy trying to gain as much as they can and they haven't even taken consideration of the fact that the enemy has already taken hold of their souls through something that happened years ago and therefore the enemy is seeking to take them to hell with him. They don't care about their souls but God cares about the soul because he says, is anything Is anything worth more than your soul? He is very, very concerned. It's not enough to be born. You need to be born again. If you're here this morning and you're not born again, you don't know that, then I have great news. You can be born again this morning because of the power of God here. Many of us are born again. We have come into that place. Incidentally, if you have prayed many times, but you still don't have that security of being born again, then God wants to draw you to a place where you have certainty. That he is your master, he is your savior, and he can help you. So he wants to bring us into a place of certainty. But let me ask another question. Do we know any people that are not born again? And I guess for all of us, we would say, yes, we do. Whether these are family members, members of our own immediate family or wider family, or families of our, our loved ones, or colleagues at work, or neighbours next door, or people down the street. How, how wide do we want to go? The truth is, yes, we do know people who are not born again. And the message is this, unless they are born again, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. There is an urgency. There is an urgency upon the souls Of every man, woman and child. And what I want to lead to is this, and this is why we have called this morning or this series, The Soul Plan. As we come into 2018 and for the whole of next year, we want to have a soul plan, which simply, as it says there, one soul, one prayer, one ask. One soul, one prayer, one ask. We want to pray to God, that he would give us a name. Not necessarily the name of the person that you're always thinking of, but that God would lay upon our hearts the name of one person who is not born again. One name. God, lay that name upon each of our hearts. That's what we're praying for. When we have that name and we come into next year, we're going to have a board that we can actually write those names up. And it says one soul... One name, I beg your pardon, one prayer. And we want to be praying for that name every day. That's what we want to commit to. That we have one name that we pray for each and every day. And then it says one ask sometime during 2018. And you know that we're going to have a number of services where the gospel will be uh, presented and that people can hear the good news. That there is one ask that at some stage when we feel it's right, that we ask that person, hey, come to this meeting. That's what we want people to arise to. It's a soul plan. Do we know of any names? Yes, we know of many names. Lord, what name do you want to put upon my heart? One name. One prayer. One prayer daily for that name. And one ask. That at some time during 2018, we want to ask them to come to a service that they may hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Salvation belongs to Him. It belongs to Him. But He has put us here upon the earth with all of the connections that we have to draw men and women to Him, that they might be saved. So there is a soul plan that we're looking at and that we are working towards. So 2018, this is what we're gonna be doing. We'll have this board up, we'll have these names on and we'll be praying for it and referring to it all the time during the year. Sometimes we won't, sometimes we will but it just gives us a focus. I believe what we do in this house and the gospel presentations that we have are great. The one thing that we're lacking is to have lost souls to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus came for what reason? To feed those who already know him. Yes, he did come to help us and to speak to us, but he came with a mission to seek and to save that which was lost. And for us, there is a prayer that we need to pray. Lord, help me more and more to understand your ways. Help my heart, oh God, no longer to be hardened, no longer to be stubborn, remove the confusion. Father, everything that this world holds is a bright light before me that I am attracted to. Lord, let that be taken away from me that I may understand in my heart the necessity that there is, that, and the, the pain that you feel over every soul that is lost. Lord, cause that burden to come upon my heart too. Help me, or oh God, to arise. Lord, help me to break through the fear that holds me captive, the concerns that I have. Release within me the power and the knowledge of your goodness, Lord, that I may seek those that are lost for your kingdom. Father, help each one of us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Just, I want to finish with this. I was listening to a, a carol yesterday. Henry was playing a um, a carol in the car, Oh, Holy Night. It's a beautiful carol. Beautiful song. Many different uh, pop artists have recorded it because it, it's beautiful. The words touched me as I was listening to them. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Saviour's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till He appeared and the soul... Felt its worth. I was suddenly listening to this and whoa, that's exactly what I'm preaching on tomorrow. The reason the Son of God made manifest was because He loved the souls, the lost souls of men and women. That is why God actioned Jesus from heaven. It's time for you to go and to rescue the lost. That's the value of a soul, is because it's so valuable that Jesus came to save. Hallelujah. Let's worship.
1: As has been shared this morning, uh, Pastor Jonathan called upon anyone who's not sure about the status, the position of their own soul. Has your soul been born again? Have you been born again of the Spirit? There's opportunity for anyone that is unsure, anyone that you've heard the message and you're like, my soul is not right before God. There's opportunity now to respond to that. Pastor Jonathan is here, Pastor Clive as well, um, who would love to pray with you. Um, So just as we just sing through this uh, chorus one more time, take the opportunity now. So I'm stepping out. Jesus came to seek and to save your soul. And today can be the day of salvation for you. So as we sing through once more, uh, Pastor John, Pastor Clive, they're here. They're ready to receive you and pray for you now. There's still opportunity. If there's anyone else that wants to come forward, feel free to do so. We're going to close the service here. Um, Just over the coming weeks, Um, ask God for that that one soul that you can believe for to be saved in 2018. Who's that one person that you're going to step out in faith and say, God, as I pray, you are going to make a way. You are going to open the door of the heart of their lives to receive Jesus. It don't have to be the person you think is most likely to be saved could be the person with the hardest heart that you know of but you are burdened to pray for them we're going to be uh in a couple of weeks time that's when we're going to be taking down these names so uh be praying about that over the course of the next couple of weeks god bless you have a great week look forward to seeing you next week in god's house god go with you in jesus name amen